Good morning, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the worship service today. So extend a welcome to all the visitors and guests who are in our midst and also those who join us via live stream. May the Lord be praised by our worship. May we also be strengthened and encouraged by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're reminded that after the worship service there will be a coffee social. Please join us for fellowship at that time. This morning's service will be led by Reverend de Jong, our missionary from PNG. Before we begin the worship service, let's sing together from hymn 34, verses 1 and 4. brothers and sisters, if you're able, I'd invite you please to rise as we begin our worship. Congregation, let us lift up our hearts to the Lord and confess together our dependence upon him. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Receive the greeting of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship the Lord by singing together from Psalm 66. Psalm 66, the stanzas 1 and 6. Let all the earth with loud rejoicing the greatness of our God acclaim.
We'll now read together from God's law. Ten words of the covenant. We read that this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 5. And as we do so, we need to remember that we do read these words in the context of God's covenant with us. That means that we read these in the context of God's love, of his grace, of his mercy. We, we read these as his children, whom he's already shown his favor to. And so we don't obey the law of God in order to earn the favor of God, in order to earn his love, in order to earn a place before him. In fact, we are unable to do that in our sin. We are completely unable to do that. But we read these laws in the context of the covenant in which God has already given us his own beloved son, Jesus Christ, in which he's already cleansed us of our sins and made us his children through him. And so we read these laws as a rule of thankfulness, as a way of expressing our thankfulness and the joy that we have in the salvation that God has won for us in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we read now from Deuteronomy 5, beginning at verse 6. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image in the, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that's on the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the father, fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. And then we read these words in the next chapter in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The Lord calls us to live before him in obedience. Brothers and sisters, we don't always offer the obedience before him, even serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need constantly to go in repentance before the Lord, asking that the Lord would forgive us for our sins and that he would renew our lives by the Holy Spirit according to his word. And so in response to the word of God, uh, the word, uh, the Ten Commandments that we read now, we'll sing from Psalm 51, which is a psalm of repentance, a psalm, the words that express repentance before the Lord and a desire to come before him and to serve him rightly as we ought. So we'll sing Psalm 51, the stanzas 1, 6, and 7.
Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come before your majesty, your holiness, your glory this morning. You are the one God. You are the God who created heaven and earth and all things. The God who rules over everything in this world. You rule over the galaxies, the stars, the planets. You rule over the atoms, the molecules. You rule over everything. You do so according to your sovereign will. You're worthy of all praise. Day and night, the angels, the hosts of heaven, they surround you and they bring glory to you. They are in awe of you, of, of who you are, and of all of the mighty things that you've done. And we join them in worship on this day. We want to glorify your great name. We want to acknowledge that you are the only God. But Father, as we come to you, we are struck by your holiness and by our own weakness and sinfulness. We're struck by the fact that we are not worthy to come before you. But Father, we also know that you are gracious and kind. We know that you've opened the way for us to come before you and to become your very own children through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so this morning and every morning, we praise you and we glorify you for the grace that you've shown to us, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, through whom we have access to your throne through whom you accept our prayers and our praises, through whom we are made worthy. Father, forgive us for our sins. Wash us clean in the blood of Jesus Christ from all that we've done that is not pleasing in your sight, that, that isn't right, that isn't good, that isn't fitting with this, with this name that we've been given. As your children. Lord help us more and more to hate sin. And to flee from it. Help us more and more to clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ. Would you fill us with your spirit. Make us more like him in word and deed. In thought. In action. In everything that we do. We pray that this morning as well, as we open your word and attend to it, that, that you would speak to us through this word, and that you would use this word also for our sanctification, to rebuke us, to correct us, to encourage us, to, to train us how we are to walk before you as obedient children, serving our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, bless us now as we open your word and bless us in, in our worship this morning. May our worship be wholehearted. May we give ourselves 
Now, in this time as well, may we give our attention, may we give our time, may we give our focus, may we give our hearts to you, O Lord, fully and sincerely. Gracious God, please hear our prayer. The prayers of all of your saints throughout the world on this day as, as they too gather for worship and be glorified in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. For our reading this morning, I would invite you to turn, first of all, to the book of Psalms and to Psalm 50. Our text this morning from Malachi has to do with the, the temple sacrifices, the offerings, the worship that the priests were giving in the time of Malachi and the rebuke that the Lord gave them for their substandard, their paltry sacrifices. This Psalm 50 is also a psalm that speaks much about sacrifices and so we'll also uh, give attention to this psalm and hear what it has to say for us. So first we'll read from Psalm 50 and then we'll turn to Malachi chapter 1. Psalm 50, this is a psalm of Asaph. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire, around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free rein for evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I have been silent. You thought that I was like yourself, but now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then, you who forget God lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. 
The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. And now we'll turn to the prophecies of Malachi. We'll read the first five verses there and... Our text will follow from there. Malachi chapter 1, the verses 1 through 5. We continue to read there the word of God. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I've loved you says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down. They will be called the wicked country, and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Thus far our readings. Let's sing in response from that Psalm 50. Psalm 50, the stanzas 1, 4, and 5. The mighty one, the Lord proclaims his word. God speaks, and everywhere his voice is heard.
Our text then is Malachi chapter 1, the verses 6 through 14. I invite you to turn there in your Bibles. Malachi chapter 1, the verses 6 through 14. The Lord continues to speak to his people there, and he says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I'm a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offerings... By offering polluted food on my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God, that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted, and its fruit, that is, is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick. And this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it. And yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. And my name will be feared. Among the nations. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as I understand it, there is to be a, a coffee social. This, after, or this morning, after the worship service, and I'm not sure of the details of that coffee social, though I've seen a few emails coming through on church social, and so I also understand that there's to be some baking and, and some things to eat there, and so I'd like you just to imagine with me a conversation that, that's happening in the kitchen among some of the, the women who have prepared some baking for this coffee social, as they, they talk about what, they, what they've brought and Oh, I, you know, I, I, I brought this, and another one says, well, I, I made this, and, and so another says, well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I made some cookies to share with everyone this morning, and you know, it was really great that we had this coffee social, because 
I actually had a couple of eggs in my fridge that had gone rotten. And so I was looking for a, an opportunity to get rid of them. Some of my flour had gone rancid. And so I, I just, I put that in together with all, of course, lots of good eggs and good flour, but mixed it all together and cooked up a batch of cookies. And, and that's what I'm going to present today for the coffee social. I wonder what the reaction of those other women would be hearing that account from that woman. You see, if you throw a few rotten eggs into your baking, you ruin the whole thing. If you throw a little bit of rancid flour into your baking, nobody wants to eat it. It's not presentable for anyone on any occasion. And just like that, those rotten eggs or that rancid flour, giving your, your second best or your third best or, or offering to, lo- to the Lord an offering that is less than what you could offer, that is second best, that is second rate, is contemptible to Him. It's utterly worthless before him. In the time of Malachi, to give a little bit of context, and we'll we'll get into some more of it, the temple worship had been restored in Israel. It it should have been a time of of great joy, of great rejoicing, when, when finally, at long last, The temple had been rebuilt and and the temple worship restored and and now we can offer to the Lord the the kinds of sacrifices and the kinds of worship that that we have desired for so long to give to Him. But instead, what should have been true and, and wholesome was being mistreated and was being corrupted by the priests. They showed utter contempt for God's worship when they worshipped to Him substandard sacrifices. And so their worship became contemptible to God. So brothers and sisters, our theme this morning is that we must completely reject corrupt worship because it is worse than worthless. We must completely reject corrupt worship because it is worse than worthless. And we'll see three points. We'll see that God is worthy of true worship. Secondly, we'll see that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has offered true worship. And thirdly, we'll see that we are called to true worship, not to worthless worship, but to true worship. So first of all, God is worthy of true worship. We're not exactly sure when this book of Malachi was written, when Malachi gave his prophecies, but it was likely in the time just before Ezra and Nehemiah. And so, 
You can think of what Nehemiah, what it says in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, verse 3, about God's people in this time. It says that the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. That describes the people of God in the time of Malachi. But yet, the strange thing about that is, they're living in trouble and shame, but yet 40 years before that, in 515, the temple had been rebuilt. And the Persian kings, beginning with Cyrus, had been helping the the Jewish people to return to their homes, to rebuild their culture, to rebuild their places of worship. This should have been a time of, 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 of rebuilding and of, of giving what was best. But you see, worship is about more than a building. It's about more than, than having the right people wearing the right clothes. In the case of Israel, or the people of Judah, it would have been the, the priests having the right priestly garments and and going about their duties in in the right way. It, It might all look fine on the outside, but worship is not that. Worship is fundamentally about giving honor, giving worth, giving what is due. The Webster's Dictionary of 1826 gives this definition. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. The priests in Malachi's time were not worshiping. Very many times in this passage, Malachi speaks about what they, about their, their corrupt worship. The first thing that they did was they dishonored God by their substandard sacrifice. 1 verse 6, God says, A son honors his father, a servant his master. If I'm your father, where's my honor? You're not honoring me. And then, so, and then you have this, this sort of response, and they say, well, how are we not honoring you? How have we despised your name? And he says in 1 verse 8, you're offering blind animals, and animals that are sick. He says in 1 verse 13, that you're offering uh, animals that have been taken by violence, or that are lame, or, or sick. You're offering, in verse 14, animals that are blemished rather than the ones that have been set aside for worship. So they're, they're dishonoring God by a, a substandard, a lower standard of, of offering. Offering to God not what is best, and, and God had actually commanded in His law. He had said in Leviticus 22, Deuteronomy 15, You shall not offer to me an animal that is blemished, that's that's lame or blind. That's substandard. Instead, you are to offer the first fruits. You are to offer the best of your flocks. 
In addition to that, there was this attitude that was behind this, this worship. Verse 13, you say, what a weariness is this, and you snort at it. They're going about the actions of worship, the actions of offering the sacrifice, but their heart's not in it. You can just think of, you know, if you think of a high school student, and I just call it the high school students because they're very good at making obvious what us adults are good at hiding a little better. Where if, if they're not, their heart's not into it, what do you get? You get substandard work. They're handing in homework, they're writing their tests, but they're not giving their best. And they're going through the motions maybe of obedience, they're there in class, they're looking at the teacher, but everything else about them, their whole attitude, their whole demeanor says, I'm not into this. I don't want to be here. I'm not enjoying this. But us adults do that as well. You have the husband who gives very little at home. He's there, he's present, but he's not giving his best. And his attitude says, I'm not really into this. The wife, the employee at work, it's the same thing. But the thing is, the priests were doing this in the temple of God. They were doing this in the place of worship. And they were doing this to the Most High God. You see, what's so striking about this passage is on the one hand, how pathetic their worship is, but on the other hand, how worthy of worship God is. As so many times in verses 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, virtually every verse in this passage, it mentions that the, it calls the Lord the Lord of hosts. That is, the Lord who is worshipped and obeyed by hosts of angels. These incredible angelic heavenly beings. The beings that when people see them, they want to fall down and worship them because they're so amazing. God is the God who rules over them, who commands them, and they offer themselves continually day and night to God in worship. That's who the Lord is. He's, he's also the Father, as he mentions there. If I am the Father, where's my honor? Because he is the Father. He's the Father that has led his people Israel like a child through many trials, through many dangers, and he has always preserved them. He's their master who has bought them, rescued them out of the hand of Egypt, rescued them out of the hand of countless enemies, and now rescued them from exile, brought them back to the promised land again. And he's the great king who is most worthy of all worship. You have that verse 11. From the rising of the sun to its setting... My name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. The whole world is going to worship God because he is worthy of it. Verse 14 at the end. For I am the great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among 
the nations. There is a vast difference between the reality of who God is and this paltry worship that the priests are offering to him. They're not offering simply something less than what God is worthy of. They're offering something that is contemptible to him. It is worse than worthless. It it, it invokes his anger and his wrath. They're not baking with, with just cheap flour or stale ingredients. They're baking with rotten eggs and rancid flour. They, worshiped, they, they offered to God, their, their substandard offered, uh, offerings, their corrupt worship, was contemptible to God. Our substandard offerings are also, all substandard offerings and corrupt worship is contemptible to God. As we consider this worship of the priests at the time of Malachi this morning, it's good that we pause and give attention and and consider our own worship. Are we offering to God corrupt worship? Are we bringing to God less than we are able? Are we offering God our our second best? We can make this really practical in terms of our, our tithes, our offerings. The money that we give as an offering to God. Do we bring to Him our best? Do we bring to Him what He's worthy of? Or do we worship God, as I remember hearing one minister say, do we worship God with our loose change? What we sort of happen to have in our pocket at the time. Here you go, God. Here's some worship for you. And we can talk about our finances, and that's a very good place, a very practical place to, to look at and consider our worship before God. We can also consider our time. Do we give God the leftovers of our time, where our our time, our energy, our attention is all given to a host of other things, and, and, well, the leftovers we'll give to God on a Sunday morning, and maybe the afternoon as well. But we know that worship isn't simply, isn't, isn't the giving of money, isn't even the giving of time. We know that, that worship is the giving of our, of our heart, of ourselves. And that gets into that second aspect of the corrupt worship of the priests, when, when they just had this attitude that, this, that worship was contemptible for us, for them. Do we have that attitude? We need to consider that. What kind of attitude do we gather for worship today? What kind of attitude do we wake up with in the morning? 
Do we have an attitude of we want to give this time to the Lord in praise? We want to be fully invested. We want to be fully alert and and fully making use of this time of worship. We want to be singing these songs mindfully, thoughtfully, heartfeltly in worship of the Lord or, or are we just going through the motions? Or worse, are we actually, would we actually rather not be here? Would we actually rather be somewhere else? We're just here to please our husband, our wife, our parents, our ward elders. Do we snort at the worship of God? Do you find it a weariness? Worship that is corrupted by giving second best or this this attitude of disdain is utterly contemptible to God, brothers and sisters. It's utterly contemptible because God is worthy of of so much more. It's utterly contemptible because of who he is and because of what he has done. Because he's the God who rules over everything. Because he's the Lord of hosts. Because he's the God whose name will be glorified in all the earth. He is worthy of all of our worship. We need to examine ourselves and ask ourselves whether we truly are worshiping the Lord in a manner that is worthy of who He is. Because God utterly rejects that kind of heartless, substandard worship. And so we should as well. We move to our second point now about the Lord Jesus Christ. These words of Malachi are very strong, very pointed. It's a very pointed rebuke. And it's it's a rebuke, you notice, that's pointed to the priests. And you think, if, if this is the case with the priests, these are the leaders for the people of God... If, if this is how things are for them, then what hope do the people have? The priests are the ones who are supposed to mediate on behalf of the people of God. They're supposed to lead the way in terms of holiness. They're supposed to lead the way in terms of worship. What hope do the people of God have if this is the case? And, and Malachi reflects on that in verse 9. He says, now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to you. With such a gift from your hand, will he show any favor to us? Malachi despairs that the Lord will be gracious to them. In fact, their worship is so contemptible that he says in verse 10, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. It'd be better, this new temple that you guys have, would be better if you would shut the doors. Your, 
your offerings are worse than worthless. They're, they're contemptible. It'd be better if you didn't offer any sacrifices at all. These are really strong words. Imagine. Just think about it. In, we've, we've gone through COVID. I don't know that there were times here where you were asked to not gather for worship. I was in Canada during parts of COVID, and, and there were times that the government was saying, you are not allowed to come to your building. You're not allowed to gather for worship. And we all saw that as a... As a a really bad thing, of course, because we want to gather. Can you imagine if God said, no, no, I'd rather, that, no, that's better. It's better that you'd shut the doors and that none of you would be able to gather for worship because your worship is just contemptible to me. Can you imagine that? That's how bad it was. And that's how, how contemptible this kind of worship is to God. But the priests were the ones who were supposed to offer this worship. And if the priests aren't going to offer it, then who is going to offer it for the people of God? Who's going to atone for them? Who's going to lead in purification? Who's going to show the way in, in holiness? Malachi is, is, is one of the last prophets of the Old Testament, and he's revealing how terrible things have gotten for the people of God in this time. You can build a temple, but it's not going to do any good because the priest, the, the, the heart of the priest, has, has a, they've left the Lord. Those old covenant institutions, even this, the, the, the honored institution of priest is, is rotten. And it's rotten to the core. The hearts of the people have strayed. What hope do they have? But brothers and sisters, God is gracious even in spite of the paltry worship of his people. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ declares that while the, the priesthood of the Old Testament broke down, rotted to the core, the gospel of Jesus Christ declares that Jesus has come to fulfill that office and to put an end to that Old Testament priesthood. Whereas they offered with bad attitudes and contempt for God, the Lord Jesus Christ came as the great priest and he offered perfect worship to God. He sought to bring glory to the Father in everything that he did. He came as the Son and he gave him the, the, the glory that he was due as the Father. He came as the perfect servant and he obeyed everything that the Father gave him to do. Whereas the priests gave their substandard offerings of, of blind animals and lame lambs, Jesus, Jesus Christ gave a perfect offering. He came as the Son of God. And He lived a perfect life. He never turned aside to the, to the right or to the left. He never gave in to sin. He always did what was right. He was always full of love and He was always fully committed to the Father in everything. And then He offered Himself that perfect life 
that perfect love, that perfect devotion, he offered to the Father on the cross as a sacrifice for sins. He covered himself in the guilt and shame of his people. The guilt and the shame of their corrupt worship. Of their substandard sacrifices. Of of their hearts that had wandered from God. The guilt and the shame of all of their sins. He took upon himself and he experienced the wrath of God for them. Malachi asks in verse 9, With such a gift from your hand, will God show favor to any of you? Well, with such a gift from Jesus Christ, God showed favor to us. Because he offered himself in our place as our sacrifice. He wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it for us. And so God will be pleased with such a sacrifice. And God was pleased, and God is pleased. And through him, and through his sacrifice, God is receiving praise and glory from from tribes and tongues, from from all over the world, as, as many come to realize the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has given. And they give glory to God through him, because Jesus Christ has done what these priests could not, what we could not. Jesus Christ has given true worship to God. If we're honest with ourselves, then we realize that, you know, it's not even only our substandard worship that's contemptible to God. Because you realize that all of our worship is substandard. If you begin to reflect on how great and holy God is, and you you think about even the best works that you are able to offer to God in this life, you realize, I'm simply not able to, to offer to God what he's worthy of. Everything that I would give him, it falls short. But the worship of Jesus Christ didn't fall short. He offered what was truly pleasing to God, and he did it for us. Brothers and sisters, we need to believe that. That is the very beginning of our worship, of our true worship. It is to believe in what Jesus Christ has offered for us, to believe that we are unable to offer this worship in and of ourselves, to believe that even our best works in this life are covered in sin. To believe that Jesus Christ is our offering before God. And what we were unable to give ourselves, he gave for us on our behalf. Jesus Christ offered true worship for us, for you. And the beginning of your true worship is to believe in him. In fact, all of true worship has to be focused on, centered around, built upon, 
Jesus Christ. Christless worship. Worship that, that doesn't include Jesus Christ. Worship that is apart from him. Worship where you're trying to, to earn the favor of God. Or worship where you're trying to go through the right motions, but you're doing it devoid of faith in Jesus Christ. If Jesus is not at the center, that is corrupt worship. And that is not pleasing to God. It is contemptible to him. But true worship is founded in faith in Jesus Christ. As we go to our third point, the application for us is that we need Jesus Christ, that, that Jesus Christ is the very, the very heart, the very soul, and the very beginning of our worship. But there's more to that, more to it as well. Because we are also called to be priests before God. Jesus Christ is our great priest, but we have the words of 1 Peter 2, verse 9, where he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We have been given this calling of being priests in the world. We are the ones who have this calling of offering to God true worship. Lord's Day 12 of the Heidelberg Catechism says that since we're members of Christ by faith, we are now priests and we have to offer ourselves as living sacrifices of thankfulness to God. The question, brothers and sisters, is not, are we going to offer worship to God? We are priests. We are called to be priests. In Christ, we have become a royal priesthood. The question is, what kind of worship are we going to offer? And since half-hearted worship is contemptible to God, we need to reject that kind of worship. And we need to embrace wholehearted worship, focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ, built out of faith in Him, where we offer the best of what we have, where we offer all of who we are. Just like our Lord Jesus Christ, He gave Himself as a sacrifice. We are called to give ourselves as a sacrifice. And so we are to give our very best when we worship on Sunday. But we are to realize that that is not the sum total of our worship. But we are to give our best on Monday when we go to school, when we go to work. We're to give our best when we're at our home as a father, as our mother. We are to give everything to God in worship. God is worthy of more than we can give. But the amazing thing is that through Jesus Christ, by the power of His Spirit and by the, by the power of, of His resurrection, of His renewed life, we are able to offer all of these things to God. Even tainted by sin though they are, even done in weakness as they are, they're sanctified in the blood of Jesus Christ. God will accept our sacrifices. He won't say, shut the door, I don't want your sacrifices anymore. He will accept them, brothers and sisters, when we offer them to Him in the name of Jesus Christ, His Son. It's an amazing and a beautiful thing. In the Old Testament, that, that priesthood was broken down and rotten to the core and unable to offer anything to God, but through Jesus Christ, the priesthood has been restored and you are the priesthood. 
You are the priesthood. And you are able to offer an acceptable sacrifice to God through Jesus Christ. In his name. Brothers and sisters, recognize who you are in Jesus Christ, this task, this calling that you've been given, and give a right offering to God. Give an offering of thankfulness. Let everything, let all of life, let every song that you sing, every prayer that you offer, every word that you speak, every, everything that you do, do it for the Lord wholeheartedly as an offering of thankfulness and praise to the God who is worthy of all of it. Amen. Let's respond to the proclamation of God's word by singing together from Psalm 50, the stanzas 7, 8, and 11. Bring the Most High your sacrifice of praise, fulfill your vows, and thank him for his grace.
will now come before the Lord in prayer. Uh, in our prayer this morning, um, we will remember the passing of our brother Hank Husinga in the early hours of this morning. I was uh, informed he left this life and went to be with the Lord. And so we'll pray for his wife, Maria, and for the many children, grandchildren, another family who will be mourning the loss of our brother. We'll also pray for those who are traveling in this time of holiday and that the Lord would be with them and keep them safe. Let's pray. God, you are gracious. We praise you for the grace that you've shown us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for him, our great priest, who offered himself as a sacrifice for us to rescue us, to restore us, and to give us new life, life with you, a life where we can serve you and, and honor you and praise you. A life where you will accept our thanks and our praise as it's offered to you in his name. And as it's all built upon the life that we have by faith in him, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would strengthen us in that new life. Also this morning through your word. And also, Father, this afternoon and continually, day by day, week by week, continue to strengthen us in that new life through your word. Work powerfully in us by your Holy Spirit. Father, cleanse us and, and remove from us any part of us, any attitude which, which would show disdain for your worship. Father, make us realize any part of our lives where we are giving second best, where we have become content with substandard worship. Create in us a clean heart, a new heart. Renew us in a new obedience, Father. Continually do so for us, day by day, as we continually call upon you and look to you day by day, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Continue to bless this congregation, Father. May this place be a place of worship and a gathering for your priesthood. We pray that you would bless this congregation and that you would strengthen all of us together under your word. Would you bless the leaderships, bless Reverend Poppy, bless the elders, bless the deacons. Father, would you be with fathers and mothers, that they may be devoted to each other in love and, and to you as they raise their children to fear you and to honor you. Pray that you'd be with the children, the young people. Father, we pray that they wouldn't be given over to cynicism and to disdain that they too would recognize what they've been given in the gospel of your Son, and that that would fill their hearts with joy and praise as well. 
Father, we pray that you would be with those who are going through difficult times. We think especially of our sister Maria Husinga, the passing of her husband Hank. We, we do thank you that we could hear that he went peacefully. And Father, we pray that you would bring much comfort to our sister and to their children and grandchildren and, and to other family members. Would you comfort them through your word, Father? Comfort them in the, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the hope of the resurrection that we have in him. Comfort them in the promise of eternal life. Comfort them with all of your precious promises for Hank and for them as well as, as they mourn his loss and as they must carry on without him in their lives. Father, we pray that you'd be with all those who are experiencing loss, who are going through time when they continue to mourn the death of loved ones. We pray that you would bring that same comfort of the resurrection and the hope of eternal life to them as well. Father, we also bring before you the, the students in this congregation who are going into a time of uh, break, a school break now. We pray that you would bless them, give them a good rest, be with the teachers as well so that they can be renewed during this time and ready to take up their task again. We know that this is a time in which many families are taking the opportunity to travel, visit family, or um, enjoy a time of holiday. We pray that you would give them safe travels, Father, and we pray that you would give them a good time of rest and uh, that they would be able to return again and and take up their task and their normal life again in due time, according to your will. Father, we thank you that um, this congregation also is able to support the work of mission in Papua New Guinea. And we pray that you continue to bless this work. We pray that you would continue to bless the churches there in PNG, that you'd bless the pastors, that you would bless the members. There are very many challenges that they face, very real, visceral challenges that they face from day to day. But we thank you that in the midst of those, they have your precious promises. And they have the truth that you are their God and their Savior. And we pray that the very same gospel which gives us hope would also give them hope as well, even in, the, in their very difficult, uh, different circumstances. And so, Father, thank you that we're able to support that work. We pray that you'd also continue to bless the missionaries and mission workers who are working in PNG. Would you bless the offering that we give now, Father? May it be a, an offering that's given in joy, wholeheartedly, because we know that from the rising of the sun to its setting, your name will be great among the nations, and that in every place, pure incense will be offered to your name, and a pure offering. Your name will be great among all the nations. And so we join with people throughout the world, and we are a part of this great work which you are doing of spreading this gospel to all of these nations for the glory of your name. And we join with all of them to give glory to you on this day. May your name be glorified now and forevermore. Amen. You have the opportunity now to give your thank offerings.
The offerings are for the mission work in PNG, and after the offerings, we'll sing from Psalm 116, the stanzas 7, 8, 9, and 10.
Receive the blessing of the Lord and go in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.